always uh, you know i remember uh, you know baba ramdas also you know like in his uh, uh, still here you know when mm, like mm. teaching about mm. how to accept the you know change in old age and you know yeah. death and all this yeah. there's like a, this is kind of like a, a teaching first of all we have to come with the acceptance we have to accept that we are all struggling so mm. once we accept because many time you know we don't accept right that uh, we are struggling mm. so you know just kind of accept that we are struggling but only thing don't try to get ourselves out of the struggle because mm. that is impossible you know that's the truth and i think that is what i got from buddha's teaching mm. because don't try to escape from struggle struggle mm. is there just mm. remain mm. in struggle but only thing what we can do about it is we can stop struggling over the struggle and that is the journey i think that's a spiritual journey that yeah. buddha was trying to teach uh, and i always take that as a buddha's teaching yeah, beautiful <laughs> uh, thank you for Hi everyone, it's Raghu back with Mind Rolling and I have an esteemed guest today, someone I've been looking very forward to talking with and hanging out with. And I'm going to pronounce it Zarimpoche, but that is a, a an abbreviation and I, although I see it everywhere, uh Zachoji. Yes. How did I do? You did well. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh welcome to Thank Mind Rolling. You. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, I I'm really I I hope you don't mind, but I'd love to hear a bit about your journey from being recognized uh uh, uh as a 6th Rinpoche and um and as uh, just what happened to you and how you grew up. and all the way to this momentous moment when uh yeah, you were recognized by his holiness the Dalai Lama so can you just talk about what was it like going because i know you grew up in india right yes yes yeah thank you first of all tashi delek ragu ragu ji and uh, thank you for inviting me here to talk and uh, it is an honor and uh, um Yes, uh, my journey into this spiritual life uh, has uh, some very uh, what do you call interesting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a kind of like I grew up uh, in India as a refugee child. Uh, my parents are from Tibet, and uh, they met in Tibet in the refugee camp. and uh, i grew up uh, in india as a very uh, ordinary boy and uh, i had a strong kind of like a background from my grandparents who are very religious so did they come over too did they make it to yes yes they, they, they also the whole family came at one time basically parents yes, grandparents they, they, they did yes through over the mountains as many. yes they did over the mountain from uh, actually Himalayan. through bhutan through bhutan, bhutan. Uh. yes yeah uh. <laughs> so um just kind of like a, and i was a young um sometime i kind of not so religious myself i question <laughs> a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was like uh, questioning my parents and my grandparents like uh, why do you do that what is the point what is the logic behind so I, i don't know somehow i have some sort of like a strong rational and logical mind as the mm. nature i don't know <laughs> mm. and uh, so i wasn't expecting uh, or thinking about become a monk uh, until i was 16 and then uh, at the age of 16 then something suddenly <laughs> i call it suddenly 
because uh, I was just uh, kind of like uh, living an ordinary life in a boarding school. Oh yeah. And uh, then in South India was it? No, actually, uh, I was uh, I studied beginning until like a ninth class in southern. There's a Tibetan school for Tibetan set up by Indian government. And then after ninth standard, then I was uh, admitted into this uh, Varanasi. There's a Tibetan uh, school for higher studies. Mm. And uh, so I actually got admitted into that uh, school. So there was kind of like a university. And uh, so uh, I was planning to study. And then suddenly one day, just kind of like my dad showed up at the school and mm. also i wasn't expecting uh, you know because uh, i just came into the school it was 3 months only and then coming all the way from south india to varanasi you know that you know how far yeah. that journey is <laughs> yes, yes. and uh, then i was kind of like a, it was a big shock in a way that how he actually came and then another big shock was uh, as I was walking down the stair to see him at the meeting room, the first time ever in my life, I saw my father bowing, <laughs> folding his hand and mm. with a katak. And uh, there were a few people like a delegation member, which I don't know them. And I only know my father. So I just kind of, it was a huge shock for me because uh, uh, I know my father, he was in the military and he was a little bit kind of tough guy. That uh, he yeah. he was a very typical father that <laughs> doesn't show much of his emotion, you know. Mm -hmm. So when I first saw him bowing uh, just to his 16 years old son, and of course, uh, <laughs> you know, at that instant, I will not take it for myself. I will think that, oh, no, maybe somebody is behind me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just looked back and there was like nobody. I was only walking towards him. And he was so humble and, you know, bowing his head and folding his hand. And I just kind of thought, what is wrong with my father? What is, why he's doing that? <laughs> and I went to him and then he just uh, pulled up the, you know, one envelope letter. And he handed that to me. And I said, hey, dad, what's this? Why, what, are you, what, what are you doing? And then he just didn't say anything. He just gave me the, handed me the envelope. And I look at the envelope. The envelope was addressed from the His Holiness the Dalai Lama office. And uh, I open it, uh, you know, and then I saw like the letter from His Holiness. And uh, there was a one seal and then just kind of saying you, I'm going to recognize you as the sixth reincarnation of the Chujie, you know, Lama. <laughs> so that was the moment uh, I changed uh, from an ordinary boy to a sacred boy in our society. Yeah. Oh <laughs> what much you've been thinking when you, that was a moment. Uh, can you remember? It was very transformational. Probably. It was a very uh, interesting moment, you know, like a moment, uh, sort of like I was a little bit in a shock. It was an honor. You know, just kind of like I never met uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama in person, only went into the public talk and, you know, how we revere him, how we respect him when he comes to our community. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. just never, ever imagined that I could get a personal letter from him, you know. And then on top of that, you know, just uh, stating my name there, saying I'm going to recognize you as a, you know, reincarnation, which... Uh, to be honest, I don't even know who the who I I was you know <laughs> reincarnation of. So I'm uh, just kind of shocked. And uh, what is this? Is this like a dream, or what's going on? Like you know. And I was a uh, little bit, and then they let me sit on the chair, and everybody there, including my father, they were starting to do prostration. You know, like a Tibetan yeah. traditional prostration. You know that I never had that kind of people doing prostration that to me in the, you know, in my life before. Hmm. So it is like all very, what do you call, too much overwhelming in a way. Hmm. Because I was like, what is going on? What, why they are doing this to me? Are they mistaken? You know? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Something like yeah. that, uh, you know, that moment, uh, 
was uh, full of uh, excitement, you know, a lot of uh, kind of nervousness, I will say, you know, like a hesitation. Mm. <laughs> Did you later find found find how it was that this selection happened? Yes, uh, actually, uh, later, after that, uh, then... Actually, my first question was very interesting to my father. Right after that, I said, I, oh, I feel uncomfortable here because I don't know. There are like some very old man who was a disciple of my, that previous one. Oh. And he was talking to me something uh, with the, on his knees, you know, and then telling me something. And then his dialect was uh, from Eastern Tibet. Mm. And we are not so used to that Eastern you know, Tibet dialect. Yeah. So he was murmuring something, but I cannot understand. I can pick up some of the words, what he was saying. Mm. But then uh, somehow I just kind of like uh, said, uh, I, I'm so feeling uncomfortable here. Can I go to back to my dormitory room? And they are like, okay, okay, you can go. And then I was just sitting there and thinking, what am I going to do? And then <laughs> later, you know, just kind of, uh, I went to my father and the first question that I asked was, uh, do I have to become a monk? <laughs> <laughs> Good and, uh, question. Yeah. And then he was like, I think so. <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh no, I, you know, I was revolving actually against to become a monk when I was a younger boy because my grandparents, as I you know, mentioned earlier, they were very religious. So they were sometime occasionally, they pushed me, like uh, insisting me sort of like, oh, you have to go to monastery to become a monk. And I'm like, no, 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 never, never. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, then uh, just kind of like the next question that I asked the people who are there, you know, just kind of like, how, you know, isn't that mistaken or what? Like, how did, you know, you guys, uh, you know, came to know about me? Like uh, how, you know, this process actually went. And then, you know, he told me the, you know, the elder man who was there, I need a little bit of translation from this one younger monk, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, then he was telling me that the process was that the previous Zachuji uh, Rinpoche was uh, died in Tibet. And when the Chinese Revolution Army came to Tibet, and somehow they offer him some kind of position, but he actually denied it. And so then they didn't like it. And somehow they arrested him and they took him to prison. And uh, so he left in prison for like four years and then he passed away. Mm -hmm. And uh, but uh, that time there was a very uh, kind of difficult to communicate, you know, with people who are in Tibet and people who are in exile. So somehow, even after he died, they didn't know that he passed away sort of oh. like a, you know, long time. And then like a, in like, a, I think it is like in seventies, like late seventies that there was a open door for the communication between the Tibetans in exile and Tibetan within. So they somehow they came to know that their master passed away. Mm. So then he said that he actually gave us, you know, he asked uh, His Holiness suggestion that uh, one day he had an audience with His Holiness of Dalai Lama and said, that, you know, we have a one Lama, but he already passed away. And I don't know if I should recognize his reincarnation. And then suddenly His Holiness of Dalai Lama actually said to him that, of course, you should, you know. Mm. And then he's like, okay, so if we should, then can you help me? <laughs> and then His Holiness uh, actually said, yes, I will help you. And then somehow he, through his divination, you know, he checked like uh, there is the river, the reincarnation is. Then he actually said that uh, from my divination, uh, the reincarnation is actually born or like uh, right now he is uh, in India. And uh, so... Uh, the specific place is also he is in uh, like uh, South India, and there's a Tibetan few Tibetan settlements there. And then he suggests that you know you go and get the names of the boys who are like uh, 14, 15, 16, you know, who are kind of like uh, whose ages are that. 
So they actually sent a delegation member down to South India within the Tibetan community, mm. and they collect the name name of the boys. And somehow they collected my name without my knowledge. I didn't know that I my name was, you know, my name went on the list. Yeah. So uh, the name went to His Holiness, and then then His Holiness checked uh, through the name, and then when he came to my name, and then he said, "Yes, this is the boy I'm looking." Really? And yeah, so wow. that is how he decided. <laughs> so it was really him all the way through. I'm not even familiar. I mean, I've heard stories of him being involved in the process, but usually there's somebody else. A lama might have a dream that points in the right direction, or or the divination happens through someone else. But his this is all his holiness, right? Isn't yes, it? this in my case uh, it was uh, all his holiness. Yeah. And also, like, there is a time being that actually His Holiness was uh, kind of uh, not uh, making the, you know, uh, recognition. Uh, then uh, there was, even around that time, but I don't know, somehow he sees something mm. that uh, he thought, uh, you know, maybe historically, you know, my previous ones has uh, some kind of like a, uh, historical kind of like uh, things, you know, with the with, with the Dalai Lama. With the Dalai Lama. Wow. Yeah. So I think maybe he, you know, somehow maybe this like it, he thought that that would be beneficial for the survival of Tibetan culture or something. Yeah. 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 Wow. And the name means accomplished spiritual abundance, right? I I saw. Oh yes, yes, yeah. So it is my. No, actually, it was my birth oh, name. Oh, which your was, birth uh, name. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Chunjur Tundub is, uh, you know, that uh, just kind of one, there was one Rinpoche in our community. He actually uh, named me Chunjur Tundub. So so the meaning is uh, like that. So actually, Zachuji is a kind of like a title. Actually, it's not a really uh-huh. a name. Uh-huh. It's uh, because uh, how the name came about is... Uh, Za or the whore, sometimes we say za, sometimes like whore in a, in a larger sense, which is uh, kind of like uh, there's, if we go back into the history, there's so many things because uh, there is uh, some connection between the Mongolia and our, my region in the Eastern Tibet, you know. Mm-hmm. So Mongolia, za, yeah. yeah, za is actually the name of the region. Oh. It is uh, literally, it means, uh, you know, there is a one, a river that falling through the eastern Tibet called Zachu. You know, oh. that uh, Zachu is, uh, I think it is English, it is called Mekong, I think. Oh. Huh. That uh, river, the, so there is a one valley that actually falling through, and that whole region is called, like, there's a lot of, a, like, a nomad region, and it's called the Zha region. So that's a pretty big in the eastern Tibet. Mm. And uh, so, because he lives there, so then name actually came to him and the church is a, somehow it's a title that was given by fifth dalai lama which means kind of like church means the lord of the dharma like oh. the you know dharma yeah. lord yeah so so that is the title mm. yeah <laughs> that's pretty good but accomplished spiritual abundance is not bad either yes yes <laughs> oh. um and there was, though, uh, I did see that. So, you, aside from His Holiness Dalai Lama, and you got teachings from him directly, I think, too. Yes, uh, yes, there I was, was very fortunate. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, really. Yongzin Ling Rinpoche was yes, also. Yes, yeah. yes. And what role did he play? Um, after my recognition, uh, I actually went to see His Holiness Dalai Lama first. And uh, so, you know, I had an audience with His Holiness and His Holiness was always uh, very jolly and, you know, like a sort of like a laughing. And uh, so he was uh, kind of like, I was very nervous actually in the beginning yeah, yeah. before, you know, that was my first time seeing him. And then, you know, just kind you were of like, a teenager, I don't know. Right? Yeah. You were still a teenager. Yeah, I was like 16 and didn't know what to say, what, you know, how to do. Yeah. And I was keep asking a lot of questions to some elder people like mm. you know how should i do what should i do you know because mm. this is so unfamiliar for me and they teach me 
And I was going there with a lot of like a nervousness, you know, like, a, and then when I get uh, to see him first and he was like, just, I think he was even not sitting. He was just standing there <laughs> and he's like, come, 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 come like that, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and uh, then he's la- start laughing and he's like, oh, I thought you are much smaller, but you look bigger <laughs> in person. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And uh, right up, uh, like uh, there, you know, at the when I was having an audience, uh, I was very uh, fortunate that actually he gave me this uh, one transmission, uh, which is actually uh, like in, in our tradition, we call it like a guru yoga. Mm. You know, the Guru Yoga is kind of like a Lamen Nenjur in Tibetan. So it is uh, something to, you know, do with uh, your mantra and then, you know, like a visualization, like the visualizing the Manjushri at the heart of the your Guru. So to actually get the kind of to develop your wisdom. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, like, uh, and I wasn't expecting, he just decided right there. He said, okay, I'm going to give you this transmission. Just listen, okay, like that. <laughs> and oh, then God. I was like, okay, so I just sit like this. And then he started, you know, doing the chanting and giving me instruction on how to do these visualizations and, you know, giving the mantra mm-hmm. transmission. And uh, then like uh, after I came back, then my, you know, the people who are with me, they are like, oh, you are so lucky, you know. We didn't request him. He just gave it to you, you know. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like... I didn't know anything about that. Uh, you know, later I found that that was a very, uh, you know, uh, auspicious and very mm. fortunate thing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention just being in that presence of this extraordinary yes, being, yes. His Holiness, I, where I have uh, seen him many, many times over the years in the West. Uh, and I never, though, requested or karma was dictating that there was a you know i'd be a direct one-on-one it always seemed to me that his presence was so powerful that he reached everybody in a a way that made them feel completely um, connected to him that's true yes 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 Yes, and uh, yeah and your question about yunzi little after i met with his holiness then uh, you know, I made an appointment to see uh, his uh, teacher. You know, actually, Yunzilir Rinpoche is Dalai Lama's uh, official tutor, uh, the master. And uh, so I want to, yeah, Ling Rinpoche, I want to have a, you know, connection, spiritual connection with him. And also, it was a little unfortunate because that time he was sick. You know, there's like, a, and he was uh, not uh, letting, you know, sort of like people come to see him, but, uh, but it was kind of like a bad timing. But at you know, at the same time, then I was able to go to see him just for a short. Mm. And uh, I, you know, just kind of request, uh, you know, do like a, just a little kind of mantra, you know, uh, transmission from him. Mm. So that was uh, that was pretty much about it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then after a few days, or you know, I think he passed away. Like not oh, long really? after I after yeah, saw. No, yeah, not long after but I you, saw him. You got yes. the mantra. So yes, yeah. So I just uh, got the opportunity to just uh, directly connect with him for yeah. uh, just a little bit. Mm. <laughs> and then you went into training, I'm assuming. Yes, then, uh, yeah, I was uh, kind of like, uh, uh, you know, asking his holiness suggestion. I just kind of, uh, I asked, what should I do, you know? And he mm. said, uh, you should go and study. You know, just kind of like there is a like a monastery in South India. There are three big monasteries, yeah, like a Sera, Debung, Gantin. And somehow my predecessors, uh, you know, previous Satsuji, they went to Drepung, you know, and that is a tradition that I have to join the, you know, Drepung, like monastic uh, academic studies, you know. Mm. And uh, then even like uh, those days, I was very lucky that I even asked uh, His Holiness suggestion. So who should I study with? Please appoint me a teacher because yeah. I'm not so familiar with the monastic studies. And he was uh, very kind. And he even told me to whom I should study with. Mm. So, and that was a very, uh, you know, kind of 
good for me because when I went to ask for my teacher, I said, His Holiness told me to go to you. <laughs> <laughs> that made it simple. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. But then, um, well, this is many, many years later, of course. I mean, this was, uh, you were, again, you were 16, 17 years when that happened. And then it must have been, what, 20 years of, of, of this going forward? Yeah, actually, like? um, traditionally, to complete uh, the teaching uh, studies in, in our monastery, it will take like 20 to 25 years. Mm. Uh, again, uh, I actually uh, studied only 10 years in the monastery. Oh. So somehow, I don't know, maybe kind of like I was uh, doing a kind of like a fast study. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that smart, but uh, <laughs> somehow, uh, but uh, I have this ability to take an exam very well. Oh, you do? <laughs> because our monastery system is, uh, as a Rinpoche, we have uh, some speciality that uh, the advantage, I mean, like advantage that other monks don't have is that if uh, as an individual, if you can, you know, you know, like uh, give the examination or take the examination, then you can do like a two, three class in one year. So wow. I took that advantage, you know, <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to take that advantage and going to study like, a, you know, in one year, three class, and then, you know, like, like uh, then give the, you know, exam and then just kind of, if you pass, then it is, you know, Move you to pass. The next. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. is the, how I actually did. So I did sometime like a two class, sometime three class. So I actually uh, kind of complete my geshe a little bit faster than the usual. <laughs> Uh, that's so great, and it's oral. It's not. It's not like we know here. It's usually just well, not all the time. There, there is uh, yeah, here. There are certainly you have to do an oral presentation as well as written and so on. But yes. that's yes. very much a big part of tradition and discourses yeah. and and uh, people of uh, you know arguing over uh, you know specific points from the teachings and so on, right? Yes, yes. The main thing is a debate, you know, as you debate, know. Debate, that's it. That's yeah, Tibetan, yeah. you know, kind of method of studying to go in depth into the, you know, studying of the wisdom mm. uh, is uh, we actually, uh, it's kind of like a, we modernize a little bit in the monastery too, because uh, before it used to be only debate, oral debate, you know. Like we have a specific sort of like a physical gesture, you know, how we yeah. do that. I've like with the it. clapping the yeah, hand, yeah. and then sometimes the monks get too aggressive also. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the later, actually, they kind of changed the academic system a little bit when I was there, that we have to do a writing, you know, written test also. Mm. So there's like a paper that, you know, like a usual school, they will have a question and we have to write uh, all about what we have learned. And then uh, also the, there is a memorization kind of test uh, which uh, like in one year like you have to the whatever subject that you are studying you have to memorize you know at least 30 pages so wow. and that uh, you know to be able to get to the next class really so for me it was a very uh, big uh, responsibility because if i'm taking a three class then i have to do 90 pages oh jeez <laughs> So, and interestingly, I have a good memorization ability. Yeah. And I actually do, like, you know, I did a lot of uh, kind of like effort. I put a lot of effort, you know, because uh, my time in the monastery, it was just totally into the studying. Like yeah. in the morning, I have to, you know, memorize the, you know, text and then go to the teacher to learn. And then later, you know, just kind of go to the debate ground to debate. So it yeah. is like from morning wow. five o'clock until like 11 o'clock in the evening. It was just like every day. So not every day, just once a week, we have a kind of like a holiday. Yeah. 
But then uh, it was an intense uh, studying days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing that you're plucked out of nowhere and suddenly thrown into this is extraordinary. Yes. And, yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I mean, it's a testament to the reality of karma and reincarnation, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, boy. So then you end up in, a, how do you end up in America? What, what prompted you? Um, actually, I after my graduation, as a, you know, we call it Geshel Harampa. Mm. Uh, that is the degree that we get, you know, after you complete your studies. And then after, you know, uh, Drepung, then I actually went uh, one year more to higher studies in uh, there's a tantric college, you know, like uh, somehow in the Drepung, what we study is mostly is kind of related to the sutra. Mm. And then, you know, when we go to the Tantric college, then we have to learn a lot of rituals, you know, uh. rituals. And there's a whole another kind of dimension of the, you know, Tantrayana. So, you know, then, you know, I joined the Tantric college for one year. And uh, then it was kind of like a traditionally I'm done with my studies, you know. <laughs> so... Uh, then uh, monastery actually uh, was looking because we have uh, the sacred music, sacred dance mm, uh, yeah. kind of uh, going around in America and Europe, you know, for the yeah. fundraising purpose for the, you know, monastery. Yeah. And uh, so we have this group uh, that was actually uh, kind of like a, a co-sponsored by Richard Gere Foundation because he was uh-huh. uh, very involved yeah. in uh, supporting the Tibetan. And uh, so that group would need a leader, sort of like a group leader. So the monastery appointed me that can you go to America to lead this group, you know, and you don't have to do much organizing. There's the organizing schedule and everything is there. You just go and be with the group. And then if there is a question or, you know, just look after the group and do the things, you know. Mm. And first I was like, uh, mm, actually, I have a plan. I'm thinking to go to, because I got an invitation to go to Japan and some kind of one of my friend, you know. Yeah. So then, like, I have a, one teacher in the monastery. So I I couldn't make a decision. So I went to my teacher and I said, I am in dilemma right now because personally I want to go to Japan and the monastery is asking me to go to America. And uh, so what should I do? And then he actually kind of scolded me. He said, uh, of course, you have to go to America because monastery asks you. Because, you know, your personal choice is not important. <laughs> monastery choice is important. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so he was uh, like very clear, you know, he said. Yeah. And that is how I, you know, I uh, accept to go with the group for one year. And that was in 1998. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. Well, thank you for coming and staying thank here <laughs> and giving us uh, the uh, beneficence of your, of your t- tradition and your teachings. You know, this is, you know, it's a, in, it's a two edged sword. What happened in Tibet, what the Chinese did, the That's horror true, is true. the horror. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I personally have taken advantage and met, in, you know, incredible lamas and taken teachings. Certainly, His Holiness is the best example, but uh, Kalu Rinpoche and others. Yes, and yes. Uh, and was fortunate. Actually, had to me, it's darshan. You know how they call it in India, right? Right. Of sixteenth karmapa, he was like my guru beyond oh, polarity. Okay. I mean, when I yes, actually. Yes went to see the 16th. It was a black hat ceremony in Los Angeles, yes, yeah. actually. Uh-huh. And then I got about 10 feet away from him because we were wow. all in a row with the katas and, you know, going to do that. And I really, I was 10 feet or something away. And then suddenly I felt this extraordinary spaciousness, which I only felt with, had felt before with Neem Karoli Baba. And I oh. went, oh my God, it's the same thing. Of course, it's the right, same thing. True. There is that's only true. one thing, which is what Maharaj used to say to us, Subek in Hindi, although there's only one thing, you know. Yes. And yes. so to have that happen for us, especially Westerners, to uh, where that would not have happened had the Chinese not done what they did, 
is it's the double-edged sword, right? I mean, that's pretty true. Amazing. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yes. So yes. I just so here's just something to uh, sort of trigger you a little bit because uh, I saw something and I thought, yeah, I'm, here's some things that I know that you could offer because our audience. Uh, is all interested. They may not know anything about Tibetan Buddhism, but they do know that they would like to have their lives more in balance. They would like to understand a little bit more of true nature, how to, how to deal with suffering and so on. So I saw this little quote from you, so maybe you could talk about it a little bit. Stop struggling against the struggles of life. Can you give us a, a few words about that? Uh, yes, uh, actually, um, like uh, the teaching of the Buddha uh, kind of like uh, spread uh, into many different parts of the world. And then uh, I was kind of like a, a little bit shocked. Uh, you know, one time I was in uh, Mexico and then somebody came to me and said that, uh, uh, Buddha said, uh, life is suffering. Isn't that a uh, little bit negative to look at life? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was like, uh, oh, that is what is going on? You know, like, uh, that is like, a, sort of like a Buddha said, life is suffering. And then I said, um, that is a little bit uh, kind of like a lost in translation. You know, actually, when Buddha teach, uh, he actually didn't say exactly the word like that. You know, like the first teaching that Buddha gave after his enlightenment, which is a popular, you know, teachings called the Four Noble Truths, right? Mm -hmm. It's uh, like the first word actually Buddha actually said in the, you know, like uh, as a teaching is he said, in Tibetan, we say, like, you know, that is the translation uh, from the, you know, like a Sanskrit. Yeah. Yeah, and Pali and the Sanskrit. And um, so that is, uh, like, if you re literally, if you look at that word, Dini means uh, this is, you know. This, this, this case, is. This yeah, is. This is. This, this is. Dini means this is, you know. Mm -hmm. And means means kind of like this word in a, it is translated as a truth of suffering, you know, mm. truth of suffering. Uh, Sometimes from the Western point of view, when we say suffering, we always uh, kind of related it to pain, you know, something like suffering. Suffering is something to do with the pain and stuff like that, you know. So. Um, just kind of from a Buddhist point of view, when we say Dunge Demba, you know, the truth of suffering, it is not only the pain, you know, just kind of like even sort of like it goes a little bit wider, you know, it like even the, you know, we call it like the pleasure, you know, the worldly pleasures, they are also the nature of suffering, you know, because it is not a suffering, but it is a nature of suffering, which means a, you know, for example, if you are thirsty and you drink a water, you know, then at that moment, it is there's a joy. But if you keep drinking that water, then what happens is it will change into suffering, you know, just like a food, you know, like a, eating food is a, there's a joy in it. But if you just keep eating it, then it will turn into, you know, miserable thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's called the Guruva means changeable, you know, uh -huh. it's a changing like so. That is also another part of the truth of suffering. And then also the base, like our own five aggregates, you know, like the, the, our form, you know, our feeling, our, you know, just kind of karma and all the, you know, even the consciousness, you know, that we have. These are all the base of suffering, you know, because, uh, so that's why it's called the truth of suffering. So mm -hmm. somehow it is not, you know, it is the truth of suffering. I think there is a difference between the word suffering and the truth of suffering. Mm. So the yeah, yeah, yeah. the exact word that Buddha actually said that this is the truth of suffering. Mm. So, you know, so sometimes people take that word truth. They just say this is suffering. So there's a difference. You know, the statement is this is the truth of suffering, you uh -huh. know. 
So, so then it's kind of like I came to understand because, you know, if Buddha said in the first thing after his enlightenment, that should be some like a, there's a lot of, you know, meaning there. It should be like the most profound thing that he has actually maybe, pro, you know, proclaimed or he has said, you know. Mm. So I just, uh, you know, even in during my monastery studies and all this, I did a lot of a uh, kind of research, uh, like what is, uh, what, why Buddha said this? Why is, you know, what is the point and what is this? And then somehow I came into this uh, word in English as a struggle mm. because uh, mm. somehow, you know, like, uh, and it is truth that uh, everything is struggling, you know? Like I'm struggling, you know, you're struggling. We are all are struggling. And the whole, if you look at the each and every parts of the universe, everything is struggling, right? It is struggling to survive one more moment from an impermanence point of view. You know, yeah. as yeah. long as uh, something is impermanence, momentarily changing, then it is struggling. You know, something that is moving, something that is momentary, it is struggling. So somehow the fact, it is the, you know, the truth. The fact is that we are all, you know, struggling. Sort of like a, so the difference between the enlightened being and uh, the unenlightened being is, uh, you know, they are, we are all struggling, but enlightened bring they stop struggling over the struggles and we struggle over the s- struggles yeah you know so yeah. that is a yeah. kind of like a, that is the truth of suffering that's it and then if you look into that then from there actually you can understand a lot of truth it is like the coming it is like the beginning of the acceptance so you have to accept right it's just kind of when you Understand that the, your truth, the basic truth of our existence is that uh, we are struggling, that you cannot get up the, out of the struggle anyway. You know, the struggle is part of nature. And uh, it is, uh, you know, I also, always, uh, you know, I remember, uh, you know, Baba Ramdas also, you know, like in his uh, uh, still here, you know. When mm, like mm. teaching about mm. how to accept the you know change and old age and you know yeah. death and all this, yeah. there's like a, this is kind of like a, a teaching. First of all, we have to come with the acceptance. We have to accept that we are all struggling. So mm. once we accept, because many times you know we don't accept right. that uh, we are struggling. Mm. So. You know, just kind of accept that we are struggling, but only thing, don't try to get ourselves out of the struggle because mm-hmm. that is impossible. You know, that's the truth. And I think that is what I got from Buddha's teaching mm-hmm. because don't try to escape from struggle. Struggle mm-hmm. is there. Just mm-hmm. remain mm-hmm. in struggle. But only thing what we can do about it is we can stop struggling over the struggle. And that is the journey, I think. That's a spiritual journey that yeah. Buddha was trying to teach. Uh, and I always take that as a Buddha's teaching. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you, Rinpoche. Yeah. Um, one of the things I actually have, and a friend of mine who also does podcasts, uh, we have been talking a lot over the years uh, about what another friend of mine called the movie of me. We are so self-centered. We wake up in the morning. We are the writer, the director, the producer, the chief protagonist of our movie. And it goes on 24-7. And it's all about repelling the uncomfortable and desiring what we think is comfortable. Yes. Say something about how to extract ourselves. So the whole thing that we've been doing is called... From the movie of me to the movie of we, to find the interconnectivity, to stop the selfish behavior. So what are some of the things you think? I I think I even heard you talk about this in one talk that you gave, actually. Uh, Yes, I think uh, that's a very good metaphor. 
yeah. <laughs> like the we are the director, we are the you know actor, the character, yeah. Yeah. and within our own mind we play everything. You know, we yeah. play like <laughs> and, uh, and somehow in that in that uh, you know state we actually uh, sort of like a, uh, you know we are everything in there. So that is the so we live in the story. You know, just kind of that is because uh, we have a story of who we are, sort of like a. Sometimes I just kind of want to use that a very simple English language called the idea of yourself, mm. idea of who you are, mm, mm. and because uh, we have this idea of who we are based on however our upbringing is, you know, how what people tell us and how, you know, because, because this uh, idea. Is, is kind of like a, we have many different ideas, you know. Like if you are like a, from a career point of view, if you are a, a doctor, then you you know there there's an idea yeah, of being yeah. a doctor, you yeah. know. And if you are a monk, then you have an idea of being a monk. If you are like a, a husband, you know, your wife, you are like you know like a mother, you are a child. So look, all these ideas, uh, it's kind of like a. And then around that idea, we have so many different stories. And uh, then we are trying to lead that story up, you know, like all these stories. And then uh, somehow, I always think that uh, this, uh, we always mistake. And, you know, that uh, we think that the idea of who we are is the real who we are. You know, that is the big uh, kind of like, uh, what do you call, ignorance from a Buddhist point of view, I call it, you know, yeah, yeah. because uh, that's kind of like a idea of who we are is not who we are. Sometimes I also kind of like a, in a very simple kind of like a casual conversation way, I always say, you know, you have an idea of an apple. Can you, you know, can you imagine an apple in your mind right now? And what do you think that apple in your imagination is that a real apple or is it a fake apple or mm -hmm. is it not a real <laughs> are you can you eat it you know so it's just kind of like a, but that's a very simple right people can everybody can understand yes i can sit in my own small room and i can imagine 100 elephant <laughs> but there's no 100 elephant in my small room but we mm. have we have an idea of hundred elephant, you know. Mm. But then, like uh, many times, what we do with that is uh, we bring the idea, the story of what is happening in our own living room, and then we get uh, kind of like uh, misunderstood that everything is uh, actually real, like uh, you yeah. know that everything. So that is the kind of like to have an idea to have a kind of like a thoughts, uh, to have a notion is not a problem, actually. <laughs> it is okay. You know, sometimes it is fun to have a imagination. <laughs> it is fun to have an idea. But the thing is, uh, you know, just kind of don't uh, get carried away by the idea as uh, thinking that it is real. Mm. So mm. when you actually make that distinction, then actually it is kind of like it's fun. It's more fun to, you know, right. because it's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's just a story. It is just, I'm writing that story and yeah. I'm playing it. Yeah. And it is like, not, you know, it is not really a real, I think that will really help mm. us to deal with the reality in our life right. in a better way, I yeah. think. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and stop the grasping and the attachment and yes. self-seriousness. Yes. Yeah. I am this. And yes, doctor. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, there. Now I know um, part of your teachings are, are around Dzogchen. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Um, which is just simply being in present. It's what Ramdas called "be here now." Actually, yes. Is yes Dzogchen, yeah. Right? Very simple. Yeah. So I read something, and uh, it said, there's a way of recognizing the nature of mind through devotion. So that very much interested me, path of bhakti, as I mentioned, yes, that, yes, that's true. a path. 
Simply through heartfelt devotion, a practitioner can attain realization even though their teacher might have passed away or was nowhere near them physically. But this, the truth is the nature of mind was introduced. Can you comment on that? Because many, uh, I mean, I know and many people know uh, that in Tibetan Buddhism, teachers paramount importance and devotion is certainly there but this um i just love these words simply through heartfelt devotion that's true that's true actually uh, devotion uh, plays a very important roles in the spiritual development uh, from a tibetan buddhist point of view mm. you know sometimes it takes uh, it takes like a very important roles that you know one of the uh, master lama tsongkhapa actually he Tsongkhapa. in a, one of his yeah he said that's the statement which means uh, you know devotion to your guru is the foundation of all the spiritual development mm. so you know he he actually began with this teaching so mm. that's like how important the devotion plays a uh, roles you know so that is the kind of like a, I think a, a Tibetan, like especially teaching, like a Dzogchen teaching, there is a way to understand the nature of mind through the devotion. So that uh, the devotion somehow it is like the faith, you know, like a, in Tibetan we say kind of like a, it's like a faith and devotions are kind of like a, faith. you know, when you have a faith, you know. Yeah. So when uh, when we describe the faith, like uh, the faith has a three different sort of like a type, you know, like a, we call it uh, like the first kind of faith is called the admiring faith. So the faith that admire, you know, and then the second kind of faith is called the inspiring faith. So the faith that is a kind of like a, you want it to become, you know become that or become like that, you know, that is the, ins you are inspired. Mm. So then the third kind of faith, which is, which is the highest form of faith is called the trusting faith. So it is like the trust, mm. you know, so, so the devotion actually comes to the third one, which is the, the trust. Mm. So which is, a, you know, like, a, so to be able to trust, you know, like a, Trust yourself and trust your guru, which means uh, you have to totally, you know, kind of like a, what do you call? It's not a blind faith, but it is something that you just have to totally put yourself, you know, like uh, to that, you know. So it's like somehow there is a, some kind of like no matter what, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So then like when your guru, like uh, the devotion, like the you are the you know devotee you know like a, in the practice of devotion you become a devotee and then your guru become an object of devotion right so it's like you but uh, when we actually practice this trust uh, faith that time actually what we are practicing is we are trying to see that uh, non duality nature between your own, you know, basic truth and your guru. So somehow it is like a, there is a process of learning how to actually uh, put to what you call, sort of like how to understand, you know, how to understand that the, your guru is the manifestation of your own ultimate basic goodness, which mm. is the Buddha nature. Mm. So that basic goodness is the nature of our mind, right? That's the nature of that. Like when we go into the understanding the mind, so the mind actually, the ultimate truth nature of the mind, like we always call, we have a Buddha nature, we have a Buddha nature. So that Buddha nature, what we are simply saying is, you know, that clear light nature of the mind. Mm. So the mind has this uh, kind of like quality. You know, that is why one of the like uh, Indian great master, 
Dharma Kirti, which he, you know, he, his holiness the Dalai Lama always quote him. Yeah. means same means mind. Okay. Mm. So the nature of the mind is clear, like a clear light. You know, it's a clear. Mm. And means the stain on the minds, they are temporary. So mm. ultimately, mind has a nature of clarity, sort of clear light. Mm. So that is the nature of the mind. So that is uh, sort of like, uh, uh, you know, when we actually practice uh, learning, uh, connecting with uh, our true nature of the mind, then like uh, if there is, a, if you actually uh, kind of like make that with the devotion and practice, then somehow it is like, a, you know, you are like you are able to see your guru and your nature ultimately really? same as one. So, in the ultimate level, it is not a trusting to the outside guru. Actually, it is the trust that we are generating to your own mind. Mm. So this trust. is like so. It is the you know that because uh, you know the trust. It is like ultimately it is a, it's a devotion to self. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, there's a, a great, uh, actually Ramdas used to quote this great uh, saint in India who died in the 50s, uh, Ramana Maharshi, who was a non-dualist, you, I'm sure you've heard. And he used to say, God, Guru, Self, One. Then yes, that's basically yes, that what is. we're saying, yeah. Yes. Oh, God. I... Um, I hate to. I could go on for a long time, <laughs> Rinpoche. Yes, I, yes, yeah, but yeah. I know I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I, I'll probably come back and say, "Can we do another one soon?" You know, another because this is so enlightening. But I would. I wonder if we can if we can close. If you could do a short uh, meditation, guided meditation practice, or bodhicitta, whatever it is that comes to you. Okay, yeah. yeah. So before we do the closing, as you said, Ramana Maharishi said something about the God, yourself, and you know, one. Yeah, yeah. We have a very similar saying also in Tibetan. We say, Lama, Yidam, Rangsim, Moyerme. Lama means, you know, Guru. Yidam means deity, you know, and yeah. Rangsim means your mind. Uh-huh. Non-dual. They are, they are all one. Yeah. Like Beautiful. that. Same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So I think uh, we will conclude that uh, just kind of with um, you know short uh, like uh, meditation, and uh, most of you actually know how to kind of sit. Uh, you know, kind of like uh, uh, in a meditation. Most important thing is just uh, keep your back straight and relax. And if you're sitting on the chair, just kind of like uh, keep your feet flat on the ground so sometimes that's kind of like in tibetan we say very important uh, the you know meditation posture is uh, you know important as the real meditation because we rely very much on our physical body you know at the moment and uh, then we we can actually learn so many things from our physical body because body always live in the moment <laughs> and uh, Mind is uh, the one that is not living in the moment. It goes on and off towards past and future. So just kind of like a, if your body is in a kind of right position, then lu tongue, same tongue means Tibetan kind of have a saying. If your body is in a right position, correct position, then your, you know, the channel, your channel will be in the right position. And then if your channel is in the right position, then all the wind that goes into that channel is in the right position. When the, all the rain, winds are following rightly or kind of correctly, then our mind will also go, you know, correctly. So uh, meditation is uh, basically to, you know, bring our mind to go in a you know, right way or correct way. So just sit our, you know, body in a, kind of meditation posture and uh, just relax, relax everything. And then 
just allow yourself to feel the relaxation and use your breathing as a vehicle to pay attention, to bring your mind into the moment. Just feel this joyfulness of being alive with this each breathing. And let yourself totally connected with your body into the present moment. And let yourself feel very alive as your mind is connected to your body. And then beyond our body, there's a feeling, emotion. Just let all the emotion there. Don't try to control. Don't try to change. Simply acknowledge whatever it is. And gently and slowly let yourself accept your feelings and let it unfold without any struggles. And beyond our emotion, notice all these different thoughts that is arising. Just to witness and watch your thoughts without judging whether you have a positive thoughts, negative thoughts, neutral thoughts. Just simply watch. Notice that all these thoughts are constantly moving, changing. Let them move, let them change. Allow yourself not to struggle with these struggling thoughts. And notice your thoughts are like the clouds. Your true nature of mind is like the sky. Let yourself experience this sky-like nature of your own mind. And let your mind be totally open and spacious. As an effect of your open mind, let your heart be totally open. Allow your love and compassion to be open. And with this compassion experience, you let yourself have an aspiration to achieve enlightenment, to help yourself and all beings.
And from this moment, you make a decision that you will bring this aspiration throughout your life. All right. Thank you. So with this uh, meditation, we will conclude and I will do some short to Tibetan chanting prayer. Oh, thank you so much. Thank Rinpoche. you. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody, Zah Rinpoche, we are honored to have you here. It's, this is the Be Here Now Network, so it's appropriate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These yeah, teachings yeah. fall into yeah. completely in line. And uh, so happy to have you. And, and we're going uh, to connect people up with you through the foundation and uh books and seminars and courses. I know you, you do a lot of work uh, around all of these uh, topics. So uh, happy to have people connect up with you and everybody. You'll find it in the show notes when you go to uh, MindRolling, uh, BeHereNowNetwork.com slash MindRolling, and you'll find Rinpoche and be able to be connected with him. And we will see you all next time again thank you thank you thank you, thank you. <laughs> right